You're listening to Escaping the Rat Race. I'm your host, Amy Leo, a singer, songwriter, and mental health educator. And our show is all about questioning the status quo and pushing the boundaries into what's possible for human beings and not probable. So tune in and get ready to escape the rat race, not only the monotonous nine to five work grind, but also that incessant internal mental chatter that prevents most of us humans from experiencing more joy, peace, clarity, and freedom. Good morning, good afternoon, or good evening, depending on wherever you are in the world today. My name is Amy Leo from ReviveYourSanity.com, and I'm actually sitting outside of Helsinki, Finland today, getting ready for our first big international retreat uh, that we're hosting at Revive Your Sanity. So even though there are a million and one things on my to-do list, I kind of got this inspiration to share what's going on behind the scenes with our business and with me personally. It's such an amazing journey to dive into life, you know, head first and go into the unknown in a new area, whether it's new business or you're recording songs for the first time, or maybe you're playing at a professional level where you hadn't before. So it's kind of has a new tenor. It's exciting. Again, it's unknown. You don't feel like a a master at anything yet. And I really wanted to share some of the things that have been kind of going on for myself and things that I also see my clients get into, my friends get into, and also fellow entrepreneurs and creatives. And what I mean by get into is I'm talking about the thinking traps that keep so many of us paralyzed or in low, unproductive moods which then, of course, we can't access our full capacity, our full brain energy when we're living in stress and doubt. You know, things like feeling like a failure. You know, also there's this feeling that when you're building a business that maybe nobody cares, that nobody's listening, so what's the point (laughs) of writing your blog every week or putting out the podcast or putting the YouTube videos because you only have 50 views (laughs) And yet some of the other folks on YouTube, you start comparing to some of these teenagers who have millions of views and, and sometimes it can get really sticky in all of that thinking. It doesn't take us as human beings anywhere. And I can really see that in my own life. I'm sure you can as well. One of the main reasons I wanted to just get on the radio and talk today is because I've really seen for myself how I have approached life in a dogmatic kind of way. And what I mean by that is I've studied a lot in the personal development field and dabbled a little bit in neuroscience and I studied psychology and I have all this information accessible to me. I mean, you don't even have to formally study any of these things. You know, Google is excellent. You can find anything you want on Google, any article. Books are still in existence. (laughs) at Barnes & Noble, thank goodness, because I love paper books, but that's beside the point. So you can basically access information in any way that's pleasing to you, in any way that you prefer to learn, whether it's audio or reading or experiential. And the thing with information that I've really found is that information doesn't change people. Information only makes a difference to a point. If information was all that we needed, 
then people wouldn't be smoking anymore. People wouldn't be addicted. People wouldn't be overweight. Uh, because all the information is telling us that all of these behaviors will lead to unfavorable outcomes. We know what it's going to do to our health, but yet we still engage in it. So what I'm interested in is a different kind of learning and a different way of living where it is much more transformational in nature. It's much more learning by doing, learning by testing out your assumptions and thoughts and behaviors in the world and questioning. This is huge to really question your beliefs. What I've seen about the dogmatic piece is that I would get an idea about something and that would work. So I would have a technique or a reference. So maybe I was uh, watching The Secret and I really was looking through life then through the frame of law of attraction. For people that don't know what that is, the law of attraction basically means that uh, it's correlating, rather, uh, what your thoughts are and the energy you're putting out into the world with your thoughts, with your actual real life outcomes. So law of attraction is like, like attracts like, if you think positively, if you're desiring something like maybe that big promotion, then you would focus on only that and putting out that vibe basically into the world as opposed to thinking negatively. So if I am watching the secret and I'm reading those books and then I'm looking through life only with that frame. So it appears to me in a time that when I've gotten a strong idea about something like law of attraction or maybe it's meditation for some people that they always think meditation is their go-to and the answer. Or maybe for others it's yoga. For other people they really believe in the NLP method uh, and the Tony Robbins stuff. Uh, or maybe it's Marianne Williamson, you know, looking through the frame of love. Now, there's nothing wrong with any of these ideas. I think that what they are all pointing at is actually the same. But what happens is when you start to get a frame that that's the only way that you see that there's a solution, it can be very limiting. And especially when you're working with clients or showing up for yourself or for another person, it really hinders your ability to think outside of the box sometimes and hinders your ability to access your actual intuition, your wisdom that exists. And this is something I've really have seen for myself is that I've, when I listen back to previous radio shows, which I always listen back to them, I can see that I am always reframing through the same lens. And that can be really helpful sometimes, but it can also be a detriment because it does hold, hold me back. So there's this piece about recognizing how practical and helpful it can be to just get quiet and to learn things, but to not be so attached to what you've learned. One trend that I've noticed in myself is this desire to compare myself to other coaches in the field or other singers in the field and to want to be like them. You know, if only I was effective as Jean Catherine Gray in the Three Principles community or Dick and Bettinger or Mara Gleason. If only I was as astute as a singer and built up such a brand as Lady Gaga. All of these things, it's really natural, I think, to emulate to mimic when you are starting out your idols and people that you see are doing really amazing work in the world. 
But I'm kind of myself now in this next space of learning a lot, but finding my own voice and my own style, my own sound, building my own business and not having it be a carbon copy of what has already been created in the world. And it's really interesting that as a coach, a new coach, newer coach, I can catch myself reciting things that I've heard from teachers in the field. And there's nothing wrong with that, but if I get really honest with myself, it appears that I am more effective when I'm sharing from my own experience and using my own words. And it's not that I think you have to reinvent the wheel all the time, but there's something exciting about now diverging off from an apprenticeship and really stepping into my own. And this is something that is available on each one of our journeys. And it appears that stepping into my own may actually create more success. And again, that's just an idea I have about success. So but I, I was listening to a podcast recently with Leanne Brooke Tyler and Chris Morris, and I really appreciated the really broad perspective that he brought to the conversation. I really recommend checking that out. Uh, Leanne's podcast is called Primal Happiness, and that episode is uh, speaking about dogma. Have you accidentally fallen into a heap of dogma? I think it's the title. And Chris was speaking about this vanity, you know, piece that we have as coaches, whether it's in the three principles world, or if you're a Byron Katie student, or Marianne Williamson with A Course in Miracles, or Tony Robbins person, or maybe you've never heard any of that. Maybe, you know, you're a devout med, uh, a devout yogi, or a devout meditator, or maybe you're really have found the Buddhism framework or the Catholicism framework to be really helpful. It doesn't matter what it is that you have attached to or that you really believe in. There's this piece that Chris shared about exploring on how to share the observation without including the observer. So that would be sharing your faith beliefs, but keeping yourself out of it, keeping your personal views out of it sharing the core, the essence of what the message is in each one of those fields. And it seems to be, to me, that those fields are really pointing towards the same thing. They just use maybe different words uh, or different techniques or different practices. Some claim to have no techniques or no practices, and it's simple and educational. But it's all kind of pointing to the same thing. So However people arrive at their own conclusions doesn't really matter. What matters is that every human being has the ability to see something fresh in the moment for themselves that can change their world. And it may be something really small and minuscule, <laughs> like maybe picking out a piece of clothing or a certain style where then someone feels really confident and sexy in it and their intuition is leading them that way or picking out, you know, leading with their intuition as to what meal they're going to eat, you know. <laughs> intuition is, is, is amazingly simple and practical. 
sometimes I do do this, but often you don't deliberate for hours what you're going to eat. <laughs> and I'd like to propose that maybe building business or creating music and a career around that can be the same way. And if there are songwriters on the call, you know that as songwriters, you are leaning with intuition almost always. You know, I have a lot of friends that will experience it as like a download, uh, that it wasn't them that was writing it, that it was straight from God, for instance, or whatever words that they use there. Athletes will say that they're in the zone. Uh, business people will focus on peak performance and closing deals and really being on top of it or, you know. All of these things, again, are, are pointing at the same, same thing. You and I both create our own experiences in the same way. Now, granted, our past and present circumstances are completely different. We're completely different people, you and I. But again, how we create our experience of life, of reality, is the same. We have this amazing capacity for thought in the moment. Thought Another word for that could be perception or sensation or interpretation. Whatever word better suits you, feel free to fill in the blanks there. We all have this amazing capacity and often thought isn't conscious. So I'm not talking only about the little internal voice that you sometimes can pick up in your head. Or maybe you've never even noticed that there's an internal voice always <laughs> going on autopilot in your head. But explore that today because it, it has been my experience that all of us have that going on. But maybe you can prove me wrong. I'm not sure. Maybe there's no voice. We have this amazing capacity for thought that is being generated all the time by this life energy that all of us are a part of that no field of study can actually properly explain where it comes from. I mean, this has been the age old mystery and there have been religions and theories and sciences all dedicated to questioning and explaining where this comes from. That's not as much what I'm interested in at this point. All that's helpful to me to know is that I am part of this universal energy source that is actually, you know, creating life in my body. It's running the neurochemical impulses in my brain, which allows my heart to beat, which then allows blood to flow through and air to come into my lungs. So here I am sitting at a desk in Helsinki, Finland, having my own experience using the gift of thought, utilizing this energy that's coming through me and this consciousness I have. So consciousness for me is an awareness of being alive. It's awareness of the freedom of thought to create who I think I am in any moment or to create how I'm feeling in any moment. And consciousness for me isn't something that I own. It's not me, Amy, that's conscious. I feel that similar to being just a small grain of sand in the entire energy system, the energy ecosystem. It's the same with consciousness. I used to think, okay, consciousness, yeah, that's in my body. And then I've seen that that's actually not true, that I, as an individual, I'm just part of this larger consciousness that exists. So everything I've said may be a little esoteric for you, 
maybe not, depending on what your past history of thinking has been, if you've done a lot of exploring into spirituality or quantum physics or uh, some of the neuroscience stuff is now talking about this universal energy and about thought as action potentials and things like that, then you're going to have a different experience of what I'm saying as opposed to maybe someone who hasn't dived in in this sphere. There's nothing wrong with any of it. Neither thing is better or worse. I'm just trying to point out that what your history of thinking has been, what areas of habit have grown in your brain, that you will then relate to the world differently. I read in a really great article, and I can post it underneath this episode about the brain. And I'm not going to get this completely right, but I can at least point to the essence of the article the gentleman that was writing it was saying that it's a complete misunderstanding that we've been saying our brain works like a computer. In fact, it doesn't. And he was going on to say that memories actually aren't stored in the brain the way that we think they are. It's not that on a computer, you know, you can pick up a file and then it will be exactly the same as it was a year ago. But with the human mind, it's much more complex because the, the brain is a growing living organism that is constantly adapting to its surroundings and that the brain is actually also constantly growing. You know, back in the 90s, they thought that once you reached a certain age, that basically the brain kind of stops growing. It can be really complex, but the simplicity of it is everyone's brain has the capacity to grow and to change. In fact, not only the capacity, it is always growing or changing, whether we recognize it or not <laughs> with our with our thought or whether or not we dive into learning more about neuroscience, it is always changing based on what our thinking is in the moment about our environment. Now, obviously, a component of that is our history of thinking. What has happened to us in the past, how we've thought about it in the past, those pathways are pretty strong in much of our brains and much of our experience. You know, that's why we can approach, for instance, a new relationship. And sometimes if you get into an argument with your sweetheart, all of a sudden it will bring back all the past times that you were wronged by exes or other relationships where it was painful or someone treated you poorly or cheated on you or you felt like you weren't good enough. All of those feelings will come back in a moment that perhaps you're in a fight with the current relationship. The person you're in a current relationship has nothing to do with anything that's happened in the past. Yet the way the brain's wired is that it will make that experience real and it will feel as if it is related. That's, that's what the brain does. Neurons that fired together will wire together. So it's going to make those connections. But that doesn't actually create cause and effect in reality. It's kind of like a really great grand trick of the mind. And lots of fields of study have been on to this trick of the mind, this illusion. You know, a lot of folks will use illusion, the illusion of thought. Eckhart Tolle in The Power of Now will speak to this. Buddhists will speak to this in their own way. The Three Principles community also talks uh, in this way about the illusion of thought. So where this is practical is that when you are in a rat race or in a rabbit hole or in a habitual cycle of thinking that's disempowering 
and unhelpful. Like, for instance, to, to make this more concrete, as I've gone through my own creative process with building a business, there have certainly been times where I have felt like a failure. There's been times where I've felt frustrated because I'm having the thought that this isn't happening quick enough or that nobody really cares or is listening to me anyway. So what's the point? But if I see those thoughts and those feelings for what they are, that they're just a reflection of thinking in the moment, that they actually have nothing to do with the efficacy of my ability as a coach and they say absolutely nothing about what's going to happen in the future. They really don't. All that we have is the present moment. And that's really cliche, but it's really true. The brain is so good <laughs> at trying to predict the future. But if I get honest in my own life, things very rarely come into fruition the way that I think that they're going to happen. And even during times where I feel, oh, see, I knew that was going to happen. I knew he was going to leave me or I, I just knew that I wouldn't be able to sing that song that way. There's a factor there that I'm not objective to my own experience. So if I've got really strong beliefs and thinking about how something's going to be, then that's how it's going to be for me. Because that is what I'm focusing on with my thoughts and therefore that is what I'm going to feel in my body. You know, there's so many quotes out there that point to this or talks that point to this that, you know, whether or not you think you're a success, you're right. You know, something like that. I'm butchering the quote, but something like that. Or, you know, I think therefore I am or as a man thinketh by James Allen really points to whatever a person thinks comes true for them. And that's the simple truth of it. You can think of that in your own experience. Have you ever had a time where you were thinking, oh, I'm feeling so optimistic. I'm feeling so excited. I'm so in love with so-and-so. I am going to do so well on that job. That project went so well. Any of those thoughts, have you ever had a feeling of being depressed or anxious when you have those thoughts? Probably not. So there's absolutely this link between thought and feeling. And what no longer makes sense to me to do, and this was really natural as I first started learning about the power of thought, is that I would try to then control my thoughts because I wanted to control my experience. I only wanted the quote-unquote good feeling experiences. But that's not how it works. It's a system it's a system with ebbs and flows, with inhales and exhales. You're going to have your quote-unquote highs and you're going to have your lows. And the more that I saw that that was okay, the more that I saw that I didn't need to take being human so personally, my experience became much less tumultuous. It was, it still had its waves, but it, it wasn't, <laughs> it wasn't uh, hurricane-style waves. You know, there's this experience and what's on offer for every human being is just more simplicity and more grace in the lows and gratefulness in the highs. And, and from a practical standpoint, when the mind is freed up from all of these beliefs and rules we have for living that we take to be as unquestionably true, when those reside 
real powerful and strong creativity abounds and people are able to really look outside the box and to really take inspired action and to approach problems with solutions that they never even thought were possible, but yet were so simple and so effective, whether it's building business or mending broken relationships or creating a career as a singer. I've listened to a lot of coaches speak and and what seems to happen is that there's this busyness and there's this overthinking and there's this dogmatic belief system where again it's people are really settled and established in their own opinions and view of life and i really caught myself in this this past week where i really saw something new of wow I'm really limiting my experience by holding on so strongly to my beliefs. And the process of becoming any kind of professional, whether it's a coach or a singer, is that usually you are in the first stage where you're learning. You're learning a lot about the craft. You're learning everything that you can. And then often you find one or two mentors and then you're learning from them and you're kind of mimicking what they're saying or mimicking how they're singing with their vocal tone. And then that's all well and good, but then there's this third level of existence that's available and that's when folks really step into their own, where people like Lady Gaga really find their own path and their own sound or uh, folks like Tony Robbins or Dick and Bettinger or Marianne Williamson, or I'm trying to think of all these other more famous and well-known coaches, where they're really sharing from what is authentic and true for them that they no longer uh, copycat or mimic or use a lot of the same wording as the other folks, where they're just speaking again from a place of authenticity, and then it comes out really naturally for them. And one thing I've seen for coaches in particular is this, this trap of overthinking, of really trying to establish a brand first or trying to establish a mission or a way to do things or really trying to get other people to buy on to their vision. And if this is you, uh, I really invite you to question if that's useful and to maybe put that down. <laughs> by realizing that this is just a lot of opinions and that it creates a lot of noise, which actually clogs the inspiration pipeline, if you will. You know, I think of, uh, you know, those old school mail shoots <laughs> that you would drive up to the teller, you'd put your money in it and it would put it in the tube and then it would suck up through the tube into the bank. Well, how I've really seen it and what I've really become aware of is all of these shoots are clogging up my own pipeline to my own wisdom and intuition and creativity and my own open-mindedness. All these layers of how I think I should be, how I think I should create business based on what I read in marketing books or what I learned from marketing gurus and business coaches, then also keeping on top of that. And there's more thinking about what I learned about the right way to be as a coach or Again, these concepts, I just keep going back to these concepts and how I've really seen how when I take them as 
dogma, when I take them as truth, when I only see that frame that I'm striving for, whether it's to be a loving person, like a return to love with Marianne Williamson, I use this a lot as an example, what she's pointing to so clearly is so powerful. A return to love that's really powerful as an experience, but where it becomes unhelpful is when I start getting in my head about that. Like, oh, well, I've got to be loving and that my ego is involved in this uh, with my personal relationship or with my business building. So, oh, I have to stop that. How how can I stop the ego? This is the ego. I can't take action from that. Do you see how that becomes a a cycle, becomes a rat race? It becomes a spinning where I'm just kind of kicking up tires, spinning my own tires and really not able to access love as Marianne is pointing to or access the now as Eckhart Tolle is pointing to or access a quiet, calm mind, which Sidney Banks pointed to. So in closing, I personally have no idea where my own journey is going to go. And that's exciting to me most of the time, because the unknown is where the creative potential lays. And I really invite folks to get into the conversation of sharing your personal observations without including yourself, without including the observer. And again, not as a concept, but to really see this piece of humility. You know, I really was touched by what Chris said about we like to, for whatever reason, and I see this with many, with myself and many coaches in, in all different industries, we like to latch on to an idea that seemed to work for us. It seems to be true for us. It seemed to work well with our clients and get them good results. So we then tout that we have the answer, that we know the quote-unquote truth, that we have the quote-unquote solution. And then there's this piece that he shared. Well, that's <laughs> it's kind of vain. In and of itself is kind of egoic. So if you can share a message without anything on it, without your personal opinion, without sharing by trying to get some results of getting someone to enroll in your program or getting someone to buy onto your own views, to just listen without an agenda. This seems a really exciting exploration for me. And I would really love to hear how that would be different for you as well, to really listen without an agenda. Often when we're listening, I've caught myself many a time in this. And I traditionally, in the past, have been told I'm a great listener, quote unquote. And then when I came into the Three Principles community, we did this listening exercise where you took two minutes each, you were sitting with a person you didn't know, two minutes as the listener where you were not to say anything. Your job was just to listen and the person speaking was just to speak. And, And if they had moments of silence that that was cool too, you as a listener were not to speak. And I really saw that Listening is like being a radio antenna in the sense of you can't transmit information and receive it at the same time. So what I really saw is that when I was listening, I was always listening with an agenda. I was listening either to agree with what the person said. I was either listening whether I disagreed with what the person said. If the person brought up something that related to me in my life, then I would bring up a story that was related. So if, again, uh, someone said Thailand, and I thought, oh, well, when I went to Thailand, blah, 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 blah. All of that uh, 
really kept me very busy and out of the present moment and unable to respond and adapt as effectively as I know I can when I'm listening with nothing on my mind. When I'm listening, not caring about what's the right or wrong thing to say, when I'm listening, not caring about whether or not I'm going to be liked by what I say. This is where immense power lies for each person and where we as a species can continue to grow from one another. If we start to listen without defense and without trying to prove a point, but genuinely listening, that expands again our experience. Now, we don't have to believe or agree with what another person's saying. What I'm saying is that there is a power to learn broader and broader and broader for each one of us that then allows us to integrate that and take it forward with us and it becomes part of our brain chemistry and then we're able to adapt more and more to situations and to grow in consciousness and grow in love and grow in effectiveness and practicality when building our business without as much stress, without as much ego, without as much judgment. And to me, this is where the gold of living really resides. So just to tie this up into a bow of practicality, there is immense benefit in seeing beyond your beliefs and seeing through them and not recognizing them or not treating them as the holy grail of truth. And innovations and people who are really geniuses in their field don't play in that area of life. They don't believe the assumptions that other people believe. They go with their intuition and they innovate from that space of amazing creative potential. I mean, an example of this is Albert Einstein with his inventions or Thomas Edison with the light bulb or uh, Diana Nyad, which was the gal who was well into her 60s that attempted, I believe, four or five times to swim from Cuba to Florida, but that she actually did do that uh, at, in her 60s or the fact that people thought that it was impossible to break a four-minute mile as a human being. And then once that record was broken, the next year there were like 10 people who broke that record. So I really think that it's worth exploring the mindset and how that relates to performance. Because to me, the limitations then, it wasn't that people evolved rapidly in a year, for instance, to run faster. They just got over their blocks of their inability to do so when they realized that one human being did achieve this unachievable goal, for instance. And this can relate to anything in life, whether you are an athlete or you're a singer or you're a business person. Whatever it is, innovations in the field are what create more success personally and more success professionally and that also contribute to the greater landscape of life and of the world and of the global climate. So if you're interested in that for yourself, it is well worth the investigation of how the mind works and how the human system actually works so you can better troubleshoot the system if there's problems, so you know what to do, you know where to look. And also, again, really tap into that creative potential. Another example is Apple computers and how they've constantly innovated versus some of their competitors. And innovation, whether it's personal 
or professional, by the very nature of the definition, it is a new method, a new product, a new idea. By the definition, then, in order to access a new idea, you have to be able to drop your preconceived notions long enough for a fresh idea or an insight to come through. So it's an incredibly practical conversation. I know sometimes I get quite philosophical. That's kind of my style. But I really do want to stress the, the practical nature of this exploration of understanding the workings of the human mind and tapping into greater potential. If you want to get these episodes delivered directly to your device so you don't miss any of this practical and inspiring and sometimes philosophical <laughs> conversations, or these conversations rather, all you've got to do is go on your device. You can type in the search engine of iTunes or YouTube, Escaping the Rat Race with Amy Leo, and you will be able to access all of our podcasts and shows. We do interview a variety of entrepreneurs and creatives all over the world who are sharing their story and proving that what we think is not possible actually is quite possible and actually rather ordinary. You can also reach out to us at reviveyoursanity.com if you want to get more goodies. There is a voucher we offer uh, off any of our upcoming retreats internationally. So you get a $150 voucher if you sign up for our mailing list. So that may be worth it too. And then you'll get the podcast with the mailing list. So it's kind of a two birds, one stone kind of deal. Thank you so much for listening again. My name is Amy Leo from reviveyoursanity.com. Until next time, keep rocking.